This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. We have an interesting story. You may have heard in passing that Cardinal Robert Seurat unequivocally rejected the diabolical document Fiducia Supplicans. The document is diabolical. I will use that term to describe it. It uses ambiguity to change the moral teachings of the church, and it has now unequivocally been proven that Cardinal Fernandez has for decades held to heterodox beliefs on Catholic morality, and that he is now using his position as the chief defender of such things in the name of the alleged pontiff to change such teachings. We have now have news that Cardinal Robert Seurat, who being retired is actually finds himself at a great risk for losing what pensions he might have from the Vatican, took it upon himself to publicly condemn the document. I will have the full text of it here for you. But I want to show you this diabolical thing. We have the professional Francis fan fiction writer, Austin Ivray. That's what I call him. He has me blocked on Twitter, but thanks to the work of one of our channel patrons who is in our Discord group, managed to get me this screenshot. See, Austin Ivray is the official papal biographer of Francis. Here he said on Twitter, this is a man of great authority, among laity in the church. He has been a participant at the Synod of Synodality. He has used his influence to get traditional masses in England shut down. This is someone with a great deal of authority and has written, has personal access to Francis. He's an Englishman. Austin Evray on Twitter said, quote, Cardinal Seurat has accused the Pope of heresy, violating the solemn oath before God he took as a cardinal. He must now hand back his red hat. If he is convinced in conscience, he must stay silent, trusting history and God to vindicate him. That is prophecy. All else is power politics. He then quotes the profession of faith and the oath of fidelity by new cardinals, where they are essentially promising themselves to be loyal to the Pope. The first question, when you have your loyalties torn, when you have your loyalties pulled in two different directions, is this. Where do your loyalties lie? Is it to the man? or to the doctrines and the truth which that man is to defend? Is your loyalty first to the man, or to the God whom he is the, uh, allegedly the vicar of? Where is your first loyalty? It would should be to God before all things. And Cardinal Seurat clearly believes, as you were about to hear, that this document is evil and actually undermines the faith. I'll let Cardinal Robert Seurat explain why he said that the document is evil himself. Christmas re message by Robert Cardinal Seurat, given in Rome on the Feast of the Epiphany, 2024. At Christmas, the Prince of Peace became a man for us. To every man of goodwill, he brings the peace that comes from heaven. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, but I give it not in the manner of the world. The peace that Jesus brings us is not a hollow cloud. It is not a worldly peace, which is often only an ambiguous compromise negotiated between the interests and lies of each person. The peace of God 
is truth. Truth is the force of peace because it reveals and brings about man's unity with God, with himself, with others. The truth strengthens peace and builds peace, taught John Paul II. The truth made flesh come to dwell among men. Its light does not disturb. His word does not sow confusion and disorder, but it reveals the reality of all things. He is the truth, and therefore he is a, quote, sign of contradiction, and, quote, reveals the thoughts of many hearts. The truth is the first of the mercies that Jesus offers to the sinner. Will we in turn be able to do a work of mercy in the truth? The risk is great for us to seek world peace, worldly popularity, which is brought at the price of lies, ambiguity, and complicit silence. This world peace is false and superficial, because lies, compromise, and confusion breed division, suspicion, and war between brothers. Pope Francis recently recalled this, devil means divider. The devil always wants to create division. The devil divides because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own heart because he is a liar and the father of lies. Precisely, confusion, lack of clarity, and truth and division have troubled and darkened the Christmas celebration this year. Some media claim that the Catholic Church encourages the blessings of James Martin Parings. They lie. They do the work of the divider. Some bishops go in the same direction. They sow doubt and scandal in souls of faith by claiming to bless James Martin Parings as if they were legitimate in conformity with the nature created by God, as if they could lead to holiness and human happiness. They only breed error, scandal, doubts, and disappointments. These bishops ignore or forget Jesus' severe warning against those who scandalize the little ones. If anyone scandalizes one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for a millstone to be placed around his neck and for they to throw him into the depths of the sea. See Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. A recent statement from the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith, published with the approval of Pope Francis, failed to correct these errors and create truth. Moreover, through its lack of clarity, it has only amplified the confusion that reigns in hearts, and some have even seized on it to support their attempt at manipulation. What can we do in the face of the confusion that the divider has sown within the church? We don't argue with the devil, said Pope Francis. We do not negotiate, we do not dialogue. You don't defeat him by negotiating with him. We defeat the devil by confronting him with faith, with the divine word. Thus, Jesus teaches us to defend unity with God and among ourselves against the attacks of the divider. The divine word is Jesus' response to the devil's temptation. In the logic of this teaching of Pope Francis, we too do not argue with the divider. Let us not enter into discussion with the declaration fiducia supplicants, nor with the various re recoveries that we have seen multiply. Let us simply respond with the word of God and with the magisterium and the traditional teaching of the church. To maintain peace and unity and truth, let us dare to refuse to argue with the divider. Let us dare to respond to confusion with the word of God. For living, in fact, is the word of God, effective and more incisive than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the point of division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow. It can judge the feelings and thoughts of the heart. Like Jesus facing the Samaritan woman, let us dare to tell the truth. You are right to say, I have no husband because you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. In this you speak the truth. What should you say to people involved in the James Martin parody of holy matrimony? Like Jesus, let us dare the first the, of the mercies, the objective truth of actions. With the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2357, we can therefore affirm, quote, the activity in question designates relationships between men or women who experience an exclusive and predominant attraction of the flesh towards people of the same kind. It takes very, very variable forms across centuries and cultures. 
its psychological genesis remains largely unexplained. Basing itself on sacred scripture, which presents them as serious evil, tradition has always declared that, quote, acts of the kind are intrinsically disordered. They're contrary to the law of nature. They close the act of flesh to the gift of life. They do not come from true emotional and uh, fleshly complementarity. They cannot receive approval under any circumstances. Any pastoral approach that does not recall this objective truth will would fail in the first work of mercy, which is the gift of truth. This objectivity of truth is not contrary to the attention paid to this objective intention of people, but the masterful and definitive teaching of John Paul II must be recalled here. Quote, It is appropriate to carefully consider the exact relationship that exists between freedom and human nature, and in particular, the place of the human body from the point of view of natural law. The person understanding his body is entirely entrusted to himself, and it is in the unity of soul and body that he is the subject of his moral acts. Thanks to the light of reason and the support of virtue, the person discovers in his body the warning signs, the expression and promise of the gift of self in conformity with the wise design of the creator. A doctrine which disassociates the moral act from the bodily dimensions of its exercise is contrary to the teaching of sacred scripture and tradition. Such a doctrine revives in new forms certain ancient errors which the church has always combated because they reduce the human person to a purely formal, quote, spiritual freedom. This reduction ignores the moral significance of the body and the behaviors associated with it. The Apostle Paul makes this clear in a long condemnation in 1 Corinthians. This condemnation, formally expressed by the Council of Trent, places among the mortal sins or infamous practices certain specific behaviors whose voluntary acceptance prevents believers from sharing in the promised inheritance. Indeed, the body and the soul are inseparable. In the person and the voluntary agent and in the deliberative act, they remain or are lost together. But a disciple of Jesus cannot stop there. Faced with the woman breaking her marital vows, Jesus works of forgiveness and truth. I do not condemn you either. Go and sin no more. Offers a path of conversion, of life and the truth. The Declaration Fiducia Supplicants writes that the blessing is indeed intended for people, quote, who ask that all that is true, good, and humanly valuable in their lives and in their relationships be invested, healed, and elevated by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But what is good, truly, and humanly valid in such relationships defined by the Holy Scriptures and tradition as a serious and, quote, intrinsically disordered evil? How can such a writing correspond to the Book of Wisdom, which states, quote, troubled thoughts lead away from God, and power, when tested, confounds fools? No, wisdom does not enter an evil soul. It does not dwell in a body dependent on sin. For the Holy Spirit, the teacher, flees deceit. The only thing to ask of people who are in an unnatural situation is to convert and conform to the Word of God. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. With the Catechism of the Catholic Church, we can ver- clarify further by saying, quote, a significant number of men and women exhibit fundamental tendencies of the sort discussed here. This propensity, objectively disordered, can constitutes a challenge for most of them. They must be welcomed with respect, compassion, and sensitivity. Any form of unfair discrimination will be avoided against them. These people are called to carry out the will of God in their lives, and if they are Christians, to unite with the sacrifice of the cross of the Lord the difficulties they may encounter due to their condition. Such folks are called to chastity. 
the virtues of mastery, which educate interior freedom, sometimes through the support of a disinterested friendship, through prayer and sacramental grace, they can and must approach gradually and resolutely Christian perfection. As Benedict XVI recalled, as human beings, such people deserve respect. They should not be rejected because of this. Respect for human beings is absolutely fundamental and decisive, but that doesn't mean that the sin in question is right. It remains something that is radically opposed to the very essence of what God originally wanted. The word of God transmitted by sacred scripture and tradition is therefore the only solid foundation, the only foundation of truth on which the Episcopal Conference must be able to build a pastoral ministry of mercy and truth towards the people in question. The Catechism of the Catholic Church offers us a powerful synthesis. It responds to the desire of the Second Vatican Council, quote, to bring all men through the resplendence of the truth of the gospel to seek and receive the love of Christ who is above all. I must thank the Episcopal Conferences which have already done this work of truth, in particular those of Cameroon, Chad, Nigeria, etc., whose decisions and firm opposition to the Declaration Fiducia Supplicants I share and endorse. We must encourage other national or regional Episcopal Conferences and each bishop to do the same. In doing so, we do not oppose Pope Francis, we firmly and radically oppose a heresy, which seriously undermines the Church, body of Christ, because it is contrary to the Catholic faith and tradition. Benedict XVI underlined that the notion of the James Martin parody of the holy matrimony is in contradiction with all the cultures of humanity which have succeeded one another to this day, and therefore signifies a cultural revolution which is opposed to the entire tradition of humanity. Until this day. I believe that the African Church is very keenly aware of this. She does not forget the essential mission that the last popes entrusted to her. Pope Paul VI, addressing the African bishops gathered in Kampala in 1969, declared, Nova Patria Christi Africa, the new homeland of Christ is Africa. Pope Benedict XVI has, on two occasions, entrusted Africa with an enormous mission, that of being the spiritual lung of humanity because of the incredible human and spiritual riches of its children and its cultures. He said in his homily of October 4, 2009, Africa represents an immense spiritual lung for a humanity which seems to be in crisis of faith and hope, but this lung can also get sick. At this moment, at least two dangerous pathologies are attacking it. Above all, an affliction already widespread in the Western world, namely practical materialism associated with relativistic and nihilistic thought. The so-called first world has sometimes exhorted, exported, and continues to export toxic spiritual waste, which contaminates the populations of other continents, including African populations. John Paul II reminded Africans that they must participate in the suffering and passion of Christ for the salvation of humanity, because the name of every African is inscribed on the crucified palms of Christ. Its providential mission today is perhaps to remind the West that man is nothing without woman, woman is nothing without man, and both are nothing without this third element that is the child. St. Paul VI had underlined the irreplaceable contribution of the traditional values of this continent, the spiritual vision of life, respect for human dignity, and a sense of family and community. The Church in Africa lives on this heritage. Because of Christ and through fidelity to his teachings and his life lesson, it is impossible for him to accept human inhuman ideologies promoted by a de-Christianized and decadent West. Africa has a keen awareness of the necessary respect for nature created by God. It is not about open-mindedness and societal progress, as the Western media claims. It is a question of knowing whether our bodies and the activities of the flesh are the gift of wisdom from the Creator or a meaningless, even artificial reality. But here again, Benedict XVI warns us, quote, When we renounce the idea of creation, we renounce the greatness of man. 
The Church of Africa forcefully defended the dignity of men and women created by God at the last synod. His voice is often ignored, despised, or considered excessive by those whose only obsession is to please Western lobbies. The Church of Africa is the voice of the poor, the simple, and the small. It is responsible for proclaiming the word of God to Western Christians who, because they are rich, endowed with multiple skills in philosophy, theological, biblical, and canonical sciences, believe themselves to be evolved, modern, and wise in wisdom of the world. But the foolishness of God is wiser than man. It is therefore not surprising that the bishops of Africa and their poverty are today the heralds of this divine truth in the face of the power and wealth of certain episcopates in the West. For whatever is foolish in the world, this is what God has chosen to confound the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame what is strong. That which in the world is without birth and that which is despised, this is what God has chosen. What is not, this is what God has chosen to reduce to nothing what is, so that no flesh should boast before God. But will we dare to listen to them during the next session of the Synod on Synodality, or should we believe that despite promises to listen and respect, their warnings will be ignored as we see today? Beware of men, says the Lord Jesus, because all this confusion, aroused by the declaration fiducia supplicans, could reappear under the more subtle and more hidden formulations of the second session of the Synod on Synodality in 2024, or in the text of those who helped the Holy Father to write the post-synodal apostolic exhortation. Did not Satan tempt the Lord Jesus three times? We will have to be vigilant with the manipulations and projects that are already preparing for this next, sen next session of the Synod. Each successor of the apostles must dare to take seriously the words of Jesus. Let your word be yes if it is no, if it is no. Everything that is added comes from bad. The Catechism of the Catholic Church gives us the example of a clear, sharp, and a courageous word. Any other path would inevitably be truncated, ambiguous, and misleading. We are hearing so many speeches these days that are so subtle and circumvented that they end up falling under the curse pronounced by Jesus. Everything else comes from the bad one. We invent new meanings for words. We contradict. We falsify scripture by claiming to be faithful to it. We end up no longer serving the truth. So let me not fall into vain quibbles about the meaning of the word blessing. It is obvious that we can pray for the sinner. It is obvious that we can ask God for his conversion. It is obvious that we can bless the man who, little by little, turns to God to hum humbly ask for a grace of true and radical change in his life. The prayer of the church is not refused to anyone, but it can never be misused to become a legitimization of sin, or the structure of sin, or even the imminent occasion of sin. The contrite and penitent heart, even if it is still far from holiness, must be blessed. But let us remember that in the face of refusal of conversion and hardness, no word of blessing comes from the mouth of St. Paul, but rather this warning. With your hardened heart, which does not want to convert, you accumulated wrath against you for that day of wrath, when the righteous judgment of God will be revealed. Who will reward each one according to his works? It is up to us to be faithful to him who said to us, This is what I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. It is up to us as bishops, as priests, as baptized persons to bear witness in our turn to the truth. If we do not dare to be faithful to God's word, we not only betray him, but we also betray those to whom he speaks. The freedom we have to bring people in such unions lies in truth of God's word. How could we dare to make them believe that it would be good and wanted by God for them to remain in the prison of their sin? If you remain truth, faithful to my word, you are truly my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So let us not be afraid if we are not understood and approved of by the world. Jesus told us, the world hates me because I bear witness that its works are evil. Only those who belong to the truth can hear his voice. It is not up to us to be approved and unanimous. 
Let us remember the grave warnings of Pope Francis on the threshold of his pontificate. We can walk as we want, we can build many things, but if we do not confess Jesus Christ, it is wrong. We will become a humanitarian NGO, but not the church, spouse of the Lord. When we do not build on the stones, what happens? It happens when what happens to children on the beach when they make sandcastles. Everything collapses. It's insubstantial. When we do not confess Jesus Christ, the phrase from Leon Bloy comes to mind. He who does not pray to the Lord prays to the devil. When we do not confess Jesus Christ, we confess the worldliness of the devil, the worldliness of the devil. A word from Christ will judge us. He who is of God listens to the words of God. And you, if you do not listen, it is because you are not of God. Signed, Cardinal Robert Seurat. So what do you think of that? Does that warrant Cardinal Seurat resigning the papacy? Or is Austin Ivray just being a ultra-loyalist who believes that the man the world sees as Pope is a divine oracle sent by God with absolute power over everything? Which is not a Catholic view of the papacy anyway. It's a view that has emerged starting in the 19th century after the declaration of papal infallibility, which was misunderstood by most people anyway. And that misunderstanding led to this view that people like Austin Ivory have of the Roman pontiff and the power that he has. I am very curious what you have to say about this, so let me know in the comments. And uh, pray for Cardinal Robert Seurat. And uh, also, just a thank you to Robert, Cardinal Robert Seurat for actually saying what needed to be said in this document. A lot of bishops are issuing their statements now. As you've seen in the whole recent weeks, I feature them on my live streams or in my standalone videos like this. And those bishops and cardinals all take a very great risk, as the treatments of Cardinal Burke and Bishop Strickland have shown us. But again, what do you think? So let me know in the comments, please. And hit like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps a lot too. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.